Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays and Wednesdays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so excited to have Emma Galloway of My Darling Lemon Time here with me today. Em went to culinary school and worked as a chef for almost eight years in restaurants, the pastry section of cafes, and catering companies in Australia and New Zealand. She left once she became a parent and discovered that not only do her children suffer from gluten and lactose intolerance, but so does she. Em started her blog in 2010 to share gluten-free, vegetarian, real food recipes, stories, and tips on organic gardening. Since then, she has written a book, My Darling Lemon Time, Recipes from My Real Food Kitchen, and her blog was the 2014 Sever Best Food Blog Awards winner for Best Original Recipes Blog. Em, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Oh, it's totally my pleasure, Em. Now, you studied to become a cooking professional. Where did your interest in cooking come from? Probably from my childhood. I grew up on a quite a large property where my parents grew heaps of the vegetables and fruit that we ate. And being vegetarian, my mum used to put a lot of time and effort into preparing most of what we ate from scratch. So it kind of is just part of who we are in my family. I mean, we're all into cooking and from a very young age, I knew that I wanted to be a chef. So even though a few people told me not to, because it's a pretty crazy profession with long hours and stuff, I didn't listen and I just followed my heart and did what I wanted to do. Oh, for sure. And you really did pursue it because, I mean, you went to culinary school and you worked as a chef for eight years in different capacities, in restaurants, you know, cafes, catering companies. Can you maybe describe how these kitchens were similar or different? My preference was working in smaller cafes. So that's where I worked in New Zealand mostly was smaller cafes. Smaller cafes, you generally have only got a couple of you in the kitchen. So you're basically covering all bases yourself. You're doing everything, sometimes even doing the dishes as well, which is actually how I started off in the industry. Restaurants tend to be divided into sections, so you're only in charge of the one section. And catering companies are quite similar. So I was in charge of the pastry section when I worked for two catering companies in Sydney years ago. So you enjoyed being in the cafes more. What did you find the most challenging? Which sort of restaurants or cafes or in the catering side? They all have their challenges. <laughs> It's a pretty high stress environment working in the kitchen, especially when, like I said, if you're working in a cafe where there's only one or two of you in the kitchen and you're doing, you know, two, three hundred covers a day, it's a lot of work and a lot of stress and a lot of running around. So, yeah, they're all pretty high stress. <laughs> You know, I have this vision that, you know, cafes are, you know, kind of mellow and chill and relaxed because like that's what it is on the outside of a cafe. But, you know, I guess on the inside where, you know, again, like you said, there's only maybe fewer people working in a cafe kitchen compared to restaurants. You know, you have to be kind of a jack of all trades and really, you know, get everything going on your own. Yeah, yeah. I think cafes in the wintertime generally are nice and calm and that's when you have your time to play and be a little bit more relaxed but I don't I mean I don't know about if it's the same in the states but in New Zealand in summertime if you work in a cafe it's extremely busy especially if you're in a cafe anywhere near the ocean which is where I used to work so people are always going to the beach in the summer and then they're wanting to go and eat so it's pretty busy right makes sense well 
When you became a mom, you left your career as a chef in professional kitchens. Did you know that starting a food blog was your next culinary pursuit? Not at all. When I left the kitchen when my daughter was born, I didn't even know what a food blog was. We're a little bit behind in New Zealand and Australia, and that five years ago when I started my food blog, there was probably only two of my friends that had ever heard of a food blog before. Even though, I mean, there's people like Heidi Swanson in the States who have been blogging for well over 10 years. We're a little bit behind here, so I had no idea when I left the kitchen at all. And it was actually from finding Heidi Swanson's cookbook in the library and then getting onto her food blog that I kind of even discovered what food blogs were. So that was only five years ago. <laughs> and what drew you to sort of start My Darling Lemon Time? Well, for years, I've always recorded recipes. If I find a great recipe in a magazine, I was always the crazy person that would be, you know, frantically writing out recipes and trying new things. And after I got onto food blogs, I kind of thought, well, I'm at home kind of just looking after my kids. My kids were four and two at the time when I started it. So I wasn't working professionally and I missed that creative side of cooking where you can just experiment. Thought I'd start, had no clue of what I was doing, didn't really know how to take photos, but just started. Right. And it sort of evolved into something really awesome for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't know, you know, what would come out of it. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with how things have turned out. Well, at around this time, you also discovered that your children suffer from gluten and lactose intolerance, and so did you. How did you recognize that something in their and your diet was off? So when I was pregnant with my daughter, I had basically just a sore tummy the entire pregnancy, and I just thought, oh, that's just what happens when you're pregnant. Being my first pregnancy, I had nothing to compare it to. And then when my daughter came along, she was extremely upset 24-7, wouldn't sleep, and was just in a lot of pain, basically. And so my midwife at the time suggested that maybe I try cutting out some of the foods in my diet that might be affecting her through my breast milk. So that's when I cut out gluten and dairy. But I'd always been interested in kind of alternative food. Being vegetarian, I'd always looked to like vegan foods and loved seeing how people, you know, get creative with vegan food. But the whole gluten-free thing was quite a challenge at the start. So I didn't really know what I was doing. And like, I don't think I was 100% gluten-free because I just hadn't figured out that it's in basically everything at the stage. So when my son came along two years later and showed a lot of the same kind of symptoms as my daughter had, I got quite serious and went and got us allergy tested. And that's when it showed up that, yeah, we can't handle any gluten. We can handle small amounts of dairy and more so as the kids have got older. But, yeah, gluten's not not, not our friend. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that you weren't really familiar with gluten-free foods and cooking. What was the biggest adjustment when you had to sort of figure this stuff out? Probably just the fact that, I mean, times have changed in the last what's been seven years, over seven years since we've been strictly gluten-free. And times have changed a lot, so there are a lot of commercially made things that are okay, you know, nutritionally. But when we first changed our diets, there wasn't a lot of good, you know, gluten-free things to choose from store-bought. So I basically had to make everything from scratch, which being a chef, you know, that's what I was used to doing, but it was the time involved that really kind of threw me when you've got two little young ones at home who need you, you know, you need your attention. So yeah, the hardest thing I found was just not being able to grab something quickly when you're hungry. 
And also sort of having to figure it out too, right? Because I'm sure the learning process wasn't that straightforward or easy either. No, it took me quite a few, quite a number of years, actually, probably a couple of years to really get my head around gluten-free and how to use different flours and where to buy stuff. And that's actually one of the main reasons why I started my food blog too, because I kind of thought I'm a trained chef and I struggled to get my head around eating gluten-free. So how does the average person who's not overly interested in cooking and how, you know, different flours work together how are they coping? So that's why that was one of the main reasons why I started my food blog was to share my recipes and hope that it, it might help someone, you know, that's in the same boat. For sure. And that kind of leads to sort of my next question. For someone or maybe parents who may be facing this today, how would you suggest they start to tackle this new approach to cooking and food? I think the easiest way to approach it is to focus on what you can eat rather than being all upset that you can't eat that donut in the store, you know. <laughs> Although there's a lot of gluten-free donuts and things around these days, but I think focusing more on what you can eat and naturally gluten-free and dairy-free things. So I'm very lucky in that my husband's Vietnamese, and so we all of our you know nighttime meals are based mostly around rice, which is gluten-free and dairy-free. So I find that kind of eating a more Asian-inspired diet or Mexican diet where, you know, the core ingredients are naturally gluten-free is usually the easier way to go to begin with until you get your head around working with different gluten-free flours and dairy-free alternatives. Right. And that's an awesome sort of tip because I can imagine that it's probably really overwhelming when you sort of figure this out and you're just sort of like, where do I even start? So, you know, choosing a, you know, cuisine that is more naturally geared towards free of gluten is probably a good starting point. Yeah, definitely. And, and although I've never really used the pre-packet gluten-free flour mixes, I prefer to just use my own individual flours. I think when you're first starting out, by all means, if you're overwhelmed by gluten-free, then going that way is totally acceptable. You'll probably get to a certain point where you would love more flexibility, you know, to add different flavors or different nutritional kind of qualities to what you're making. So that's when you can, you know, use your own flowers but yeah it's totally acceptable at the start when it all feels too much I just think do whatever you can do to make it easier for yourself for sure now are there some good books or online resources you can recommend for people who have just discovered such intolerances and are trying to become more familiar with cooking and eating gluten-free and dairy-free well the main one that I have used over the years is glutenfreegirl.com Shauna's recipes are extremely well tested and I guess with her teacher background she's extremely good at explaining everything and why she uses certain flours and for all the basic kind of things that you're missing like pizza and bread and all those kind of things she has brilliant recipes on her site and in all of her books as well. Cool so gluten-free girl right? Yeah Shauna, Shauna James Ahern yep. Well, you wrote a book and it was published in 2014 called My Darling Lemon Time, Recipes from My Real Food Kitchen. How did this book come about, Em? After a couple of years of blogging, I pretty much had made up my mind that I wanted to try and get published. Over the years, there were a lot of recipes I'd been holding back from putting on the blog because I thought, you know, they're kind of too good to share in this capacity and I wanted to save them for a book. And so I spent about a year trying to approach publishers and, you know, see if they were interested. And I got turned down by every single one. 
basically at that stage, this was probably going back at least three or more years, probably four years nearly even. At that stage, gluten-free, dairy-free, vegetarian food was a little bit too specialized for most publishers. So they turned me down saying, you know, it's just all too hard. And basically, I was in talks with one publisher in New Zealand at the time who said, we'll publish a gluten-free baking book if you're interested in that. But that's not really what I wanted to do for my first book. And so I was extremely lucky when I was nearly giving up hope. HarperCollins, New Zealand, who I hadn't approached because you had to have an agent to approach them, and I didn't have one at that stage. They actually approached me from seeing my blog. So it's all worked out well in the end. Very, very happy and thankful. (laughs) Cool. Well, your book has just been recently released in the US. Can you tell me more about the book? I mean, you mentioned that there are some real gem recipes that, you know, you have been holding back on. Can you tell me more about it? So the book is filled with a hundred of kind of my favorite recipes. Most of the recipes in there are recipes that I've been making for a long, long time. Some are inspired by recipes my mum made when I was little and I've adapted them to be gluten-free. And there's a lot of base recipes, which is what I wanted my first book to be so that anyone can pick this up that's, you know, new to gluten-free and it kind of just covers all the bases. So there's numerous breakfasts to choose from, there's pizza, there's homemade sourdough, there's how to make your own yogurt from scratch, tomato sauces, everything like that. So the whole book is vegetarian and gluten-free and then Most of the recipes are dairy-free also. There's little bits of yogurt and butter, which is what my body tolerates. So that's in there. Well, as we were emailing back and forth, you mentioned that you were working on a second cookbook. Can you drop some hints as to maybe what the second book is about? Not at this stage, although I can say that it's a very nice follow-on from the first one. What you can make of that, what you want. (laughs) Cool. Well, we'll definitely check out the first one first. And then we'll wait for the second one. Yeah, I'm hoping that the second cookbook, there won't be a two-year wait before it comes out in the States. We're in talks with my US publisher at the moment, so we're hoping that it will come out relatively soon after it comes out here, which is released here next April. Well, Em, here at the dinner special, we talk with food heroes about dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe the story behind the dish? I have lots of favorites, but I'm particularly drawn to Southeast Asian food. So it kind of worked out perfect that I met my husband and he's Vietnamese. (laughs) One of my favorite dishes, well, it depends who's cooking. If my mother-in-law's cooking, then it's bun sao, which is the crispy rice flour pancakes, Vietnamese ones. But at home, probably one of my favorite ones is what we call rice paper rolls, but I'm pretty sure in the States you guys call them summer rolls. Yeah, like the salad with the rice paper and the vermicelli on the inside and the veggies. Yeah, so that's one of my favorites, mostly because we set it up in traditional Vietnamese style where all the fillings are all on the table, the dipping sauces and bowls of of warm water and everyone makes their own, which I love that kind of communal way of eating. It makes it slightly easier on the cook as well. Cool. Well, if you were to invite three famous people over to share your summer roll spread with, who would you invite over? They're probably going to laugh if they ever see this, <laughs> but they're famous in my eyes. Heidi Swanson from 101 Cookbooks, probably Shauna as well from Gluten Free Girl, um, and Tara Austin Weaver. She's a US author. 
I would love to have those three sitting around eating with me. That would be awesome. Well, let's say that you had them over and, you know, apart from the summer rolls and the great conversation, it was going to be a movie and a dinner situation. What movie would you pair with your summer rolls? I have no idea. This question's thrown me. I don't watch many movies, as strange as that sounds. I actually can't remember the last movie that I have seen other than children's movies that I take my kids along to. (laughs) And I don't know if you really want me to suggest like Turbo or any of those kind of movies. (laughs) So yeah, I'm not sure. I would probably rather just sit around and talk. I'm sure we could talk into the wee hours, which might be nicer than watching a movie even. Well, Em, I call the next part of the Dinner Special podcast the pressure cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but I do watch MasterChef. (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Why are you embarrassed? (laughs) There's a lot of professional chefs that think that cooking shows like that are just and you know slightly embarrassing but I think the chefs the talent on MasterChef in particular definitely there's a few other ones that I wouldn't mention but there's a lot of talented people that go on MasterChef that I think some of the dishes they make a lot of professional chefs would struggle to make so I quite like it. Is there kids MasterChef in Australia? There was one a few years ago yeah which was amazing absolutely amazing these seven-year-olds were cooking better than what I could. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. They're so talented. Yeah. Number two, what are some food blogs or websites we have to know about? I'm terrible. I don't actually read heaps of food blogs. I have I have a kind of set few. So 101 Cookbooks is the number one. I don't think I've ever missed a post of hers in the five, six years that I've been reading it. I love the Vanilla Bean blog, Oh Lady Cakes, The First Mess. And, oh, With Food and Love is awesome. All of those kind of blogs, they make food that I want to eat. Even if I can't, like the Vanilla Bean blog, my friend Sarah writes it. Most of it I wouldn't even be able to eat because it's not gluten-free, but I just love looking at her gorgeous photos and, you know. Yeah, it's inspiring nonetheless. Exactly, exactly. Great. Number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat that make you happy? Green Kitchen Stories Instagram feed is amazing, absolutely amazing. Tara O'Brady, Seven Spoons, I think. I can't think of what her Instagram handle is, either Tara O'Brady or Seven Spoons. Louisa Brimble, Australian food and lifestyle photographer. Her stuff's always amazing. I mean, both on Pinterest and Instagram, she has amazing stuff on there. And Sarah Kiefer as well from the Vanilla Bean blog. Her Instagram and her Pinterest even more so is just amazing. Number four. What is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen? That would probably have to be all the vintage props that I've acquired over the years. I have a wee thing for bowls and plates and glass jars. Okay, so the vintage items, (laughs) all of them. (laughs) Yeah, all of them. I can't choose one. Number five, name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love. Mushrooms. They were probably one of the one vegetables I didn't like as a kid, but now I can't get enough of them. Okay. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? I love, I'm not sure if it's available in the US, but it's called Veggies by an Australian chef called Simon Bryant. That's one of my favorites. Heidi Swanson's book Supernatural Every Day is another favorite. And Afro Vegan by Bryant Terry. 
is another good one. I have so many cookbooks, it's hard to choose. I have stacks of them all around my house. <laughs> well, those are three to start off with. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Great. Number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? Anything reggae. So I really love listening to Burning Spears, any of his albums when I'm cooking. Just makes me happy. <laughs> Perfect. Well, congratulations, M. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. <laughs> Thanks. M, thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. Now, you're on social media. What's the best way for us to keep posted with what you're up to? Instagram is a daily update. So probably Instagram, where I'm just at my darling lemon time. I'm on Facebook as well. But yeah, Instagram's probably the best one. And of course, we can check out the blog at mydarlinglemontime.com. And of course, the cookbook and maybe second cookbook as well soon. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Em. I had a great time. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.